Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah. Listen, let me show you how we kicking it. Lacing up my cleats to chase a goal. Being like Beckham, but we never fold. Let me show you how we kicking it. Baby, you ain't working how we working. Scoring like a 10 up on my jersey. Let me show you how we kicking it. Stay up in the field, we going hard. Pray we never see a yellow card. Let me show you how we kicking it. So if your feet can plant it to the ground, we'll go ahead and put your hands down. Let me show you how we kicking it. What is up, you guys? My name is Jess Lazo, and you are kicking it with me on the Women's College Soccer Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Welcome to episode 11 of the podcast. Today, I wanted my listeners to hear a different perspective regarding college soccer by bringing a college coach onto the show today, and not any college coach either, specifically my college coach. That being said, I wanted to welcome DePaul women's soccer head coach, Aaron Chastain, onto the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. No problem, Jess. I'm really excited that I can be on your podcast and listen to you be a host and hopefully provide some good insight into women's college soccer. Yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm really excited as well. So I wanted to begin the show by taking it all the way back to the very beginning of your college coaching career. So to start, I just, I'm curious, what drove you to want to coach at the collegiate level? Yeah, I think um, I've been coaching a long time. My, my first college job was in 1998. Um, and it was just after I had kind of worked in advertising for a year and a half and advertising was really a grind. Um, I, I quit that job without another job um, against the advice of my dad, but, um, and, and really kind of just missed soccer and missed com- that competitiveness that kind of we all have experienced growing up playing competitive athletics. So um, I had the chance to work uh, the Northwestern University women's soccer camp with the head coach there who was then Marsha McDermott who was a really great coach. She went on to coach in the former professional league. Um, She played for the U.S. team. And so being around her and her program and listening to her coach her team and um, kind of inspire her groups that she worked with, I I really started to kind of think, wow, that could really be a pathway for me. Um, And I went home after the camp and Luckily, they called and said, hey, we have a second assistant position. It only pays $7,000. There's no benefits, but it would get your foot in the door into coaching. And so I ended up taking that job. And then, you know, within my first year, I decided this was a a great career path for me and, and have been doing it ever since. So was there anyone other than the Northwestern head coach that influenced you to pursue coaching? Or did you just like, did it just come out of nowhere? You kind of realized that you wanted to do it after the camp. Um, I mean, I think if I look back, I would say, yes, I had a, I had a female college coach, uh, Sue Montaigne, now Sue Patberg, who coaches at a D3 school now, Emory. Um, and now looking back, I think there were these pieces that influenced me. I just wasn't aware of it at the time. So I think, um, watching her kind of build a program at Minnesota where I played was, was probably a factor 
Um, my dad really encouraged me to kind of look at coaching as a, as a career possibility. And then Marsha certainly, um, who was my first boss, had, a, had an instrumental role, really because I just loved how she ran her program. And, and I thought it would have been really fun to play for her at one point. So I think that kind of fueled my passion for coaching. Mm -hmm. And I know that you mentioned that you started your career at Northwestern. So after Northwestern, how did you continue your journey and how did you end up at DePaul? So after, I was at Northwestern for three years. Marsha left to take a professional coaching job. Um, and when she left, I really kind of um, thought, what, what would my next step be? I was learning a lot from her as an assistant and I wanted to just put myself in a position to continue to learn from great leaders. Um, the Santa Clara University assistant job opened up. They were coming off winning a national championship. Um, so I felt like maybe it's a long shot to apply for the job, but I'm going to put my name in. Um, and thankfully, I got an interview and um, ended up getting an assistant position there and was there for, I guess I was there from 01 to 07, so six years and really got to experience the next level of women's college soccer. We went to two college cups. We played in the championship game in 02. Um, and it was just super fun to be a part of coaching really high level players and players that played on the national team. Um, and then, you know, that I think after my six years, I felt like gosh, I've been doing this for nine years. I think I'm ready to make the next step in my career. And I was just looking for the right place to do it. So the DePaul job opened up and I'm originally from the Midwest. And I felt like, you know, Minnesota where I went to school is a very urban school, a lot bigger than DePaul, but very urban like DePaul. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew kids could get a great education there, that it was in a great conference in the big East and that, potentially we could build a great program at DePaul. So um, we decided to, to move to Chicago and have been here ever since. That's great. I mean, you talk about building a program, obviously that takes time. After coaching a number of years, what do you consider your coaching style and philosophy? Yeah, I think um, my coaching style, gosh, and you'll be able to tell if this really is my style or not since you play for me, but um, you know, I think we really want to spend time coaching each individual in our program and helping them be the best that they can be. And whether that's on the soccer field or off the soccer field, I think our whole staff is genuinely invested in, in all the players in our program and what they're going to do after they leave DePaul and then what they're doing while, while they're here at DePaul. I, I really believe in honest feedback with our players. I feel like we're able to have really honest conversations about here's what you're really good at. Here's what you have to get better at. And then hopefully that helps them achieve their best level of play possible. Um, so I think that's probably my, my philosophy and, and my style. I, I don't think I'm a big yeller. I think I'm, um, I really just value the young women in our program and how talented they are on and off the field. And it, it's fun to watch them achieve whether that happens to be doing something they haven't been able to do at a practice or in a game or 
getting a great job after they graduate, I think um, it's, it's super fun to see their level of success. Mm -hmm. I mean, I completely agree. Um, playing for you for the last three years, I feel like it's night and day from when, where I first started freshman year. And I am so forever grateful every day that I had the opportunity to come to DePaul because I feel like having being led by you as a coach is just so much better and has like formed me into like the person that I am today. So, well, that's great to hear. I think. Um, and again, you saying that is the reason that I coach. Yeah, exactly. And then also you're talking about building your players for after like after soccer, once soccer is finished. And um, I mean, you can agree with me on this, that soccer has a lot more to do with the mind as well, rather like physical and mental. Um, so do you think that being a coach, you're somewhat a teacher preparing your players to build a strong character and mentality beyond their years of playing soccer? Absolutely. I mean, um, I think we talk about all the time, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the mental capacity um, to be in pressure situations or to be focused or to put the work in outside of practice or um, to believe in yourself, all those kind of mental components that I think are really important. Um, then when you leave soccer, you're, you're probably, that's probably not going to carry over into your life. So I think our staff tries to lead by example and, and show our team that we're strong women. And um, we, we really have worked on the psychological side and the physical side growing up playing and, and now coaching. So my hope is that they, that our players see our staff and, and recognize that being a female in coaching, we're definitely in the minority mm -hmm. and we've been able to kind of make a life for ourselves through this profession. And so that doesn't mean all our players are going to leave and end up being coaches. But what I hope it does is, is paints a picture for them that, they really can go on and do anything they want to do, whether they would be in the minority or a lot of women have done it before them. So, um, you know, whether that's you in broadcasting and journalism, or, you know, that's one of our players leading and, and being a CEO of a company or being an athletic director where we know there aren't that many female athletic directors. I think um, that's also extremely important to me when, kind of we've put together our staff and, and our leadership team at DePaul. Mm -hmm. I mean, what it, what is it like being one of the few female head coaches in women's college soccer? Yeah, I mean, I think the sad part of that is I feel like that's just the norm. Um, I think we've, the, the profession has had a harder time hanging on to, to female coaches, whether that's because they haven't gotten as many opportunities or whether that's because they didn't actually really see this as a potential career path for them when they were playing or, or growing up. I think that's starting to change and that's what I love. I think we're starting to see a lot of really qualified young women get assistant jobs or head coaching jobs and, and leading their own programs. And, and whether that happens to be overseas in the English league or you know in the NWSL or division one, two, three soccer, I think we are starting to see that change a little bit. So I hope it continues because I just think, um, I think women in leadership roles really is just a wonderful, wonderful thing for the young women playing collegiate soccer. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And what do you think the importance behind that is? I know that you mentioned like it gives young women the chance to kind of realize like, look, you can accomplish anything you put your mind to, but what else do you think that it creates such an, a positive impact for young women? Well, I think, um, you know, I think we all played collegiate women's soccer. So I think we did what you're doing now. And so I think the experience of that and really being able to kind of sit down with athletes and say, listen, I did this and I experienced some of those same things. And here are some of the things that, that helped me, um, that number one. And, and I think number two, just the importance of seeing women run the show and what that means and looks like and how that can translate into anything our players want to go do. Because I think, you know, obviously back in the day, women weren't running anything. They weren't running businesses. They weren't running athletic departments. They weren't running teams. And now you're starting to see all over the media. I, I really think these, these talented women get opportunities to have big time jobs and they deserve them. And so I think, um, you know, whether that's in major league baseball or the NBA or, um, you know, just other opportunities in sport. I think that's um, going to continue in years to come. And we're going to see even more and more women kind of running their own show. Mm -hmm. I mean, reflecting off of my like whole soccer career, I basically had all guy coaches except for my very first club coach and you. And I feel like it's, it does create such a difference, a positive difference when you're being led by someone who can relate to you. Um, obviously, um, like a guy coach has most likely played soccer in their life, but they cannot relate to what it's like to be a woman playing soccer. I mean, it, it, there is differences and they don't like, I, in my opinion, I feel like having a woman coach, it's just so much like relatable content that we receive from you guys. And you had mentioned that earlier. Yeah, and, I, and that's not to say that um, there aren't many men that are very capable and talented oh. and have built great programs and, and have great coaching careers, but I do think um, I do think that we just have so many more women capable of, of doing this job, doing it at a high level, and really painting the picture for the young women that we coach. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and then just kind of backtracking, like, from when you – had played as a collegiate athlete to now, how has the women's soccer experience changed since you played? I know that you're talking about how women coaches didn't have as many opportunities back then, but just like women's soccer as a whole. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many more division one, two and three programs across the board. So I think the sport has grown tremendously. I think the parity in the sport is a lot bigger than it used to be. Um, you know, when I played, there were only 48 teams in the NCAA tournament. Now there's 64. Um, of those 48 teams, there was really only a couple that that were capable of winning a national championship. And I and I think as we've seen, um, there are a lot of different teams that are getting in the mix now. Um, whether it's Washington State, a couple, you know, last year, whether that's you know, um, Arkansas, whether that's trying to think of some, some programs that have gone on good runs in the, the NCAA tournament. Um, Georgetown was in the final four and they're in our conference. So I think 
those are things you probably wouldn't have seen when I, when I played is the different teams that get themselves in the mix. And I think it speaks to just the parity, the competitiveness and the growth of the women's game. Um, I also think with, with the professional league and, and then overseas, um, where you have Chelsea sponsoring a women's program and pouring money into it. I think it's just a good sign for women's soccer as a whole that, Hey, you know, people recognize that we want to watch female athletes perform at a high level. It's fun. It's competitive. And um, hopefully that will create even more growth going forward. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. And just thinking about, um, like playing style and stuff from when you played to now, I mean, obviously there's a huge difference, um, and obviously speed of play. So you as a coach, when you first started coaching and like to now, how have you kind of made adjustments to your coaching style and tactics over the years in order to continue to compete at the high level? Well, I think we're working with a different player coming in than we used to be based on kind of their youth experience coming through, whether it's the formerly DA, GA, or it's the ECNL, or it's National League, I think um, there's it's just so much more competitive across the nation as a youth soccer player. So the things that young women are learning prior to getting to DePaul is just more than it used to be. Whether that means they're learning to play out of the back or they're learning the number system of, of what position correlates to what number and they're um, learning more technical and tactical. They're doing way more video prior to getting here. So I think we're working with a different level player coming in. Um, and then we just try to adjust honestly every year with what per personnel we have, whether that means we have to change our system or we have to put someone in a different spot. I think, um, just really being willing to adapt based on the personnel that we have and not being set on a certain way of playing if we don't have the personnel that fit that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I know that you're also a um, girls director for the club at FC United. So when you're talking about kind of the development of girls heading into college, how have you used your position as the director to help young girls reach their goals in pursuing soccer at the collegiate level? Well, I think, um, I think that goes off to another thing, you know, when, when FC United approached me about coming into their club and having a director role, I, it, it wasn't that I was looking for that role, but I definitely recognize that there are so many young, young girls. And as you said, in, in your playing career, you know, you play, you only saw men in youth soccer. And, and I think that's very common. And so again, I felt like it, it was a perfect opportunity for me to come in and have a role with a club where the young girls playing in the club saw a female that was in a leadership role. Um, and I think I've really been able to go in there and show these young girls that again, they can, they can do anything they want to do. And it's been really fun being around the younger girls. I think um, they have a love for the game. They, they're super motivated. They're fun to be around. It's fun to run training sessions with them. Um, so I think that's been a really fun role for me, but also a really important role for me in that, again, 
Um, if we don't, as women in leadership roles, take opportunities that are offered to us that could really kind of paint a picture for the youth of our country, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice. I think we're doing um, young women a disservice. So I, I think that's a lot of the reason behind why I, why I took that role. Yeah, definitely. I think it's extremely important for young girls to have, especially a woman leader to look up to when they, especially like in a sport, I think that's really important because like you said, a lot of times young girls are around coaches who are men throughout their youth experience. So I think that they probably, I mean, I know that they appreciate having a leader like you on within the club. Um, and then I also know that you are a part of the NCAA Division I Women's Soccer Committee. Why did you decide to become a part of that? And can you describe what the role entails? Yeah, so um, it's kind of, it's a four-year term where I'm a part of 10 people across the country, some administrators and some coaches, um, all of the women's game. And, and we're the committee that decides on the teams that get, you know, the at-large bids to the NCAA tournament and what the bracket looks like. And um, I decided to do that four years ago, just to, to learn about the process, to, to be a part of the process. I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of roles of service that, that we can choose that go along with coaching. I think this is one of them because obviously you don't get paid to, to do it, but um, certainly it's been a really interesting process to, to sit in a room at the end of the season and decide who are the most deserving teams to, to be in the NCAA tournament. And being a part of that is really important to me so that we, I can be a part of making sure that the right teams are selected and, and then learning about what's, what are the most important things as I build the DePaul schedule and who do we need to play and how do we put ourselves in a, in a great position to be selected in the NCAA tournament going forward. So I think it's been, it's been really valuable for me to kind of see what, what the behind the scenes work is like. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that sounds really interesting because I feel like if you're not a part of that, you don't necessarily know, like, I guess everything about how the NCAA obviously picks the player or the teams that go into the tournament. And sometimes probably in your head, you've thought about in the past, like, oh, is this just political? I mean, I don't know. I definitely had, that's definitely crossed my mind in some circumstances. So, I mean, I feel like by actually being a part of it, you kind of understand like how it works and why they pick the teams that they do. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I remember in 2016, I, I felt like our team was right on the bubble to make the tournament and we didn't end up getting selected. And I remember sitting there thinking, how did we not get in and what did we not do? And, and now that I've been part of the process, I can look back on 2016 and we had a really good team then. And I can understand the thought process of the teams that were selected right above us. Um, and it just makes a little more sense to me. The disappointment doesn't go away, but it makes a little more sense. Yeah, definitely. Kind of gives you a little bit of closure, even though it's still a little disappointing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then just like reflecting off of your whole coaching career, um, what were your first goals starting as a head coach? And do you feel like you've achieved them? Yeah, so it, when I took over the program in 07, 
DePaul was at the bottom of the Big East. And I think we tried to set really intentional goals that um, were also realistic as we kind of were going to go through the next several years. And so the first goal was to try to build a winning culture and, and teach our group how to win. Um, and so I think we celebrated all little victories, whether it was, gosh, that game, we lost 1-0, but you know, we created this many chances in the attacking third, or, you know, we, we allowed this many shots or just kind of small victories. And then from there, our, our next goal was to, to make the Big East tournament. Um, and, and at that time, the Big, the Big East looked a lot different. It was a lot more teams. There were two divisions. Um, I think we had Louisville and West Virginia and Notre Dame and a lot of other teams to, to kind of compete with. And so making the Big East tournament was, was a pretty challenging goal um, given the amount of teams. And so that was our next goal, which we were able to do in 09. Um, and then we haven't missed a Big East tournament since, which I'm, I'm really proud of. Um, we, I think our next goal was just to put ourselves in, in a position to compete for a Big East championship, um, which we were able to, to win a Big East championship in 2014 and 2016. Um, and you know, now the goal continues to be compete for a big East championship and put ourselves in pos positions to, to get an at-large berth to the NCAA tournament. And so I think that will continue to be a goal for our program and, and hopefully we'll be able to continue to put ourselves in, in good positions. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that little victories is so important, like just something to live by, like even outside of soccer, because I feel like you're not going to achieve big victories unless you start out small and just build off from there. So I think that's very important to live by. And obviously by you achieving those little victories, you've risen to the top of the table by winning big East championships and continuing to make the big East tournament and obviously go from there. And I think that just reflecting off of this past fall season of practicing, I think we have a really special team and we have so much potential to go far in whatever we do this season. Um, and I, I know that you can agree with that. Yeah, I think it's a great group. I think um, obviously super disappointing that this fall we weren't able to compete. I'm really excited for the spring with this group. I think there's so many veterans returning and some good new players and, um, it's just a really fun group to work with. So I think our staff is, is really excited. Yeah, for sure. And then just like reflecting off of some concluding thoughts, what is your favorite part of being a coach and what's also the most challenging part of being a coach? Yeah, I think my favorite part about being a coach is just being around our team. I think whether that means we're running practice or we have a game or we're doing film sessions, I think it's just really rewarding for me to be around our group, especially because it's a group that we recruited and we believe in. And so, you know, I think just whether we're laughing about something silly or doing something serious, I think it's just rewarding to be around our group. Um, and also just to see how impressive the young women in our program are, whether that's our team GPA or whether that's seeing players graduate and get jobs, I think um, that's equally as rewarding 
Um, winning is really fun. So I think, um, you know, anytime our team can get a really big win, I think we remember those are great goals. Um, I think that's super fun or a great defensive performance. So I think I can look back on certain games throughout the years that I really remember and that were so fun to be a part of just to see our team achieve it at such a wonderful high level. Um, so I, I think there's a, obviously a lot of things that I, that I like as, as being a coach, but those are some of them for sure. Okay. What about any challenges? What, what's the most challenging thing? Oh gosh, the challenging thing is putting the pieces together. I think every year and, and making sure we find the right, the right formation to play with the personnel we have and how quickly can we figure that out um, and then deal with any injuries that, that come along the way and move the pieces around. So I think that's sometimes challenging. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes it's challenging when we have a talented player that we just can't get over the hump of, of reaching their potential. And, and that process, I think, takes just a different amount of time for each individual. So I think that's sometimes challenging because we are constantly looking for ways, like maybe we can try this or maybe we can try this. And so I think um, that just requires a lot of thought and action from our staff. And But it's also fun to do and fun to figure out because I think in the end, we almost always get to a point where we see that young woman achieve at the level that we know she can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I'm just also thinking about like this whole fall season of us practicing. And obviously it was a bummer. We weren't able to have a fall season, but like you said, like sometimes it's a little challenging to put like personnel together. And especially during like preseason, like when every, like everyone comes together as a team, like it's kind of a fresh start in the new year. And when you're starting in the fall, you don't have a lot of time to kind of figure out I just figure out things and I feel like the silver lining of this fall is kind of for us to kind of come together as a team and get to know each other better and I just as a whole come together as a team and I think that I've become closer with a lot of freshmen that it probably would have been difficult to do if we did have a fall season and I think that's a huge piece and why this team is probably going to be incredible this coming season. Yeah, I think it, you know, you're exactly right. I think, you know, those freshmen came in to a little less pressure in terms of our environment. And so I think everyone was a little looser, um, you know, and just appreciative of the opportunity to be together and to be training and to be back on campus. So I think, um, I think it'll be really helpful for team chemistry going forward. And, and certainly we see a nice chemistry from our group and since I've been doing this for so long, I, I recognize the importance of that. I think any of our teams that have won at a really high level have just a unique, special chemistry and bond about them. So I, I certainly see that in this group. Mm -hmm, definitely. And then when you're talking about um, what you were talking about earlier, about just like those big games that we'd win um, as you, one of your favorite parts of being a coach, I just remember last year when we beat Kansas and it was just so incredible because I don't know it was just like us continuously like fighting for that win and like once we reached that it was just like the greatest feeling ever and it's like we can compete at the highest level and we're going to show the NCAA that we can do that you know yeah that was a fun game I think just a super determined defensive effort that really helped us 
as we moved through the, the Big East season, just that level of toughness that took to grind out that win. And then it was nice to see us be able to add some more attacking as we kind of went through the season and, and had some other nice wins along the way. Yeah, for sure. I think that was definitely the breakthrough of our season. Um, and then just the, like for the last two questions, do you have any advice for any incoming freshmen and also a current collegiate soccer player as well? For the incoming freshmen, for any incoming freshman, I think going into a new college program, it's be as prepared as you can be and then some. Mm -hmm. So I think um, the level of fitness that you need, the level of mental preparation, the level of just resiliency, I think you have to just be ready to go into an environment and the speed of play might be faster. And can you make sure you did all the work on the front end so that when the level does get higher, you're able to adapt as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So I think um, that would be my advice to freshmen and then to current college players, it would be just to continue to raise the bar for yourself every year and never be satisfied with what you did last year or last practice. It's, it's what are you going to do next and how can you really be checked into that and, and mentally ready to, to do that. So that would be, um, one piece. And then also just enjoy the experience of being a college athlete. I think obviously we're in tough times right now, but as we get back to some normalcy, I hope, um, enjoy being around your teammates and it goes by really, really fast. So take advantage of, of all the opportunities after practice to hang out with your team or stay extra and do some juggling or fun shooting games or just really enjoy being around your teammates because I think you'll recognize when you leave DePaul you're going to maintain some of these wonderful friendships or when you leave another college and um, you know you're going to think back wow I, I wish I could do one more year um, because it does go by fast. Yeah definitely I mean I've reiterated this so many times in like my past podcasts but it's kind of like yeah, I mean, I'm a senior already and I, I can't believe that I'm a senior already. Um, it's gone by so fast and just like you said, enjoy it because you're there for a reason. You're playing college soccer because you love the sport. It's not like you, like you can't make it out like it's a job or a business. Um, and if you're struggling, just continue to work hard and eventually the pieces will come together. I feel like working hard is the number one thing that will help you kind of break through any other hardships that you're going through. Absolutely. I think all former college athletes will be able to look back on tough experiences, tough seasons or tough games or a tough practice or a conflict with their teammate or with their coach and think, how did I handle that? And what did I learn from that scenario? And, and how can I use that in this scenario, even though, you know, it's not on the field. So I think that that preparation that athletes get for life after, after athletics is, is really, really valuable, I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then my last question for you is, do you have any advice for anyone looking to pursue coaching? I think it's just be persistent and be willing to start at a lower level than you may want to. Um, as I said, I think my first job was $7,000 um, 
a year with no benefits. And I had to kind of grind and coach club soccer while I was doing that just to be able to survive, but it was worth it. And I, and I think, um, so just be willing to move somewhere to, to work under someone great and, you know, just put yourself out there so that you can network with as many people as possible and um, really kind of go through the, the progression of, of being a coach, whether that's starting as an assistant or a second assistant or a volunteer assistant. Yeah, I mean, I think that resonates not only in coaching, but just in life. I think persist- persistency is key. And I mean, you always have to start on the bottom to reach the top little victories. (laughs) Yeah. Little victories for sure. I think that's something that maybe this generation is loves less than, than former generations. But again, I mean, the value of, of being in a second assistant at a, at an awesome program, working for an awesome head coach, think is going to be more valuable than just going in and, and starting at the top and not, not learning everything you need to know about being a great coach. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to have more knowledge by starting from the bottom. So absolutely. Well, I think that officially finishes the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. Great job. Thank you for any listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you want to tune in next week, the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Music, and of course, Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. Thanks for kicking it with me on the Women's College Soccer Podcast. See you next week. Yeah, let me show you how we kicking it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.